The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. Okay, so I have to ask my executive producer, Bryn, um, I did not hear music. Were you able to play the promo before the intro? Yes, I did. Uh, so you weren't able to hear any of that? No, but I oh, have original wow. sound checked. Maybe oh, I should have had that off. Well, no, I don't think it has anything to do with you. I think it's probably having to do with me, but uh, I did get it. I, In fact, uh, the... You talked right when you were supposed to. So you're like a natural. You have like a sixth sense or something like because you knew exactly when it was time for you to talk. All right. Awesome. Well, welcome, 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 everyone. This is Sunday edition. And as you just heard, that is Bryn Lee, my executive producer extraordinaire. How's your week been? Uh, it's been OK. You know what? I've been sick uh, for the last couple of uh, couple of weeks. I got better, but now I've got allergies. So. <laughs> Ouch. It's like, I, uh, you know, I can't seem to catch a break. <laughs> you know, they say that that's the bane of teachers' existence, you know, constantly getting colds. And even though you teach in a different um, capacity, you're going in and out of folks' homes. So I guess you're more susceptible to picking up those bugs along the way. Yes. Now, I did figure out why you you couldn't hear things. So that shouldn't be a problem for the next time we have to take a break. I do actually have... Uh, a promo that you sent me that you slaved over a hot audio console to make for us. I did. Let's hear that. All right. Let's let's test our audio and see if this works. Introducing the Sunday Edition Book Club. In celebration of Sunday Edition's third anniversary, we have decided that we're going to start a monthly book club. And starting on Memorial Day at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, you can join us to talk about the novel A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lengel. Available on Bard and Audible, we'll be discussing the concepts behind the book and some of the amazing thought-provoking ideas that this young adult novel has brought to hundreds of thousands of readers over 50 years of enjoyable reading. So join Sunday Edition on Memorial Day at 12 noon Eastern for the Sunday Edition Book Club, A Wrinkle in Time. It brought a tear to my eye. It was, it was an <laughs> Emmy Award uh, winning uh, performance there and loved it. So let me let me reach out to Sheila, who is um, hosting for us today. Sheila, did you hear music behind my voice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's something I'm going to have to play with my settings. Oh, uh, Bryn, so we'll you're do hearing something your through. voice, but you're not hearing the music. I'm hearing the my voice. The music is but... very faint. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. To, and, 
I yeah, I, can hear it. <laughs> I think it's the problem because original sound isn't on. Whenever people can't hear my music very well, when I play the disclaimer, they say it's because Herbie says it's original sound is not on. So that's odd. Well, uh, it did get played and it sounded absolutely uh, fantastic, Anthony. You did a great job. You sure did. Well, Sunday edition this month turns three, so I want to first thank everybody out there who was listening for three great years of this program. Um, I absolutely love doing it. And um, all right, Herbie, we hear you. Let's hit that mute button. Um, So thank you all who come weekly or if you pop in once in a while, whatever, you know, your Sunday edition listening habits are, whether you get it on podcast, you're out there in Clubhouse, or you're here in Zoom Live with us or on ACB Media, thank you so much for all of the support for Sunday edition. Um, as you heard on Memorial Day, we'll pick a different time um, together if, if for those who end up wanting to be part of the book club. But on Memorial Day at noon, uh, we will be holding a discussion on the book A Wrinkle in Time. You can get it on Bard in the outgoing um, promos that I've put up on the list. The DB number is there. It is also on Audible and anywhere else you find audiobooks. Um, I want to quickly announce the candidate forum that Blind Pride International partnered with Guide Dog Users and MCAC will be happening this year on the 24th of June uh, during that virtual uh, during the virtual portion of the convention. Um, I believe it is at 6 p.m. Eastern, but um, stay tuned for your daily emails or um, we will be putting it out with our conventions. Uh, BPI will be putting it out with our convention programming as well. So please join us for the candidates forum. I would like to say a special happy Mother's Day to um, my mother-in-law who is in Honduras and um, all of the mothers in the Lopez Cafati family, all of the mothers in the Corona back off Rattel family, and all my friends out there who are mothers in whatever form, whether it be through birth, through adoption, whether you're a mother of a furry animal or a bunch of furry animals, however you are a mother, however you celebrate, have the happiest Mother's Day. And on that note, Miss Sheila, happy, happy special Mother's Day to you, too. Um, your song last night was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. I hated following you. <laughs> Yours was really good. Thank you. I was singing and dancing along with you. <laughs> in um, in our Clubhouse Connects here we have both of the Allens. So welcome back to Sunday Edition. Chanel and Herbie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right. Sheila Brind, do, we, do you have any announcements you want to make before I get the uh, literal the show literally on the road? I, know. I, the, I don't. The only thing I have to tell you is uh, that the fun zone this week will be about moms and Mother's Day. Um, my mom passed away last year. And so this is my first Mother's Day without my mom. Uh, but, you know, thankfully, I've got my girlfriend and my roommate and all of my fabulous friends uh you know around me and uh, you know i just i want to play some songs about moms because i miss mine so happy mother's day and uh be sure to tune in to funzone.show tonight from 7 until 9 p.m central we do have a twitch stream so you can watch me do the show live and uh we'll be playing comedy songs about your mom <laughs> yeah this is um what's this one of my first uh one of my first Mother's Day without my mom, too. And it is definitely 
different. But we have a show it to put on. Different. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I much love Bryn. Um, we will be on a call later on for the board meeting. And uh, hopefully today is, is more celebratory than sad for You know what? Keep me, keep me busy. Keep me busy and I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I am very happy and thrilled and honored to welcome back to Sunday Edition um, someone who is my fellow J.P. Morgan classmate, um, someone who has been a really, really leading light within the community and now is, make correct me if I say this wrong, our Member Services Administrative Assistant, Natalie Couch. Thanks, Anthony. And yes, you are correct. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go. Let's get go back to the basics a little bit. Let's get to know you as a person. Uh, then we'll talk about the job and how things are going. Um, tell us where you're from, where you grew up, and you know, give us a little bit of your journey until you got to the American Council of the Blind. Okay, so um, I am originally from Illinois. Um, I was born in a town called Danville, Illinois, um, which I'm sure most people do not know of. Um, and I lived um, in a little hole-in-the-wall town. Um, I was the only totally blind person in my public school. Um, so I attended public school, you know, for the first 12 years of my education um and was the only totally blind person um and i i was blessed to have very supportive well still am to have very supportive parents um who basically told me you know that there was not anything that i couldn't do um i you know i had a, a great network of friends in school who didn't who were not too bothered by my blindness um you know my my best friend was super amazing even on my 16th birthday um she let me drive <laughs> so um we mm. my parents live out in the country and um so you know that happened and um so um all right i have to pop in here and ask did you scrape anything hit anything knock anything over <laughs> i did not she <laughs> she gave directions so it was it was awesome um it was you know it was a lot of fun um and then um and i did a little bit of college um but i did have some issues with um getting books on tape and well just getting books um in an alternative format and so um college just kind of didn't you know it, it didn't work very well for me and so um i had some jobs in customer service and now i am here at ACB, so. So if you don't mind, um, could you tell us a little bit about the public school experience? Um, you know, for those of us who may have lost their sight later on and, and didn't have to navigate that, we hear a lot about, you know, the blind schools and programs um, dedicated towards education for blind students, but we don't hear a lot about the public school experience. What was it like for you? Um, I actually had a very good public school um, experience. So from first through fifth grade, um, my parents, my mother stopped working and she actually drove me to a public school um, about an hour from our home at that time. And because they had full-time vision teachers. Um, so mm -hmm. from first through fifth grade, that was my 
you know, that was my um, school experience. So when, you know, like in about second grade, when people, well, I started reading Braille when I was like five, I think five or six. Um, and so, you know, when people were learning to write, um, you know, students in my class were learning to write, I was learning more Braille things. And um, I had some very amazing teachers. And then in sixth grade, because I got tired of, you know, I wanted to do after school activities. And so my parents always made sure that I could be in Girl Scouts and, you know, they would drive that extra hour, um, you know, through first and through fifth grade to make sure that I could be a part of those things. And then um, in sixth grade, I went to um, our local junior high. Um, so it was about five minutes from home and all of my friends laughed at me because like, so my sixth grade year was the first time I got to experience riding a school bus. And I thought it was like super cool. You know, soon mm -hmm. I, I was like, yeah, okay, this is annoying. But, um, you know, for the first little bit, I thought it was super cool. And it was fun to be able to, you know, go home from school by myself and to, to be able to do things after school. Um, and so I had an amazing um, vision itinerant from sixth through 12th grade. I was lucky to have the same one throughout junior high and high school. And um, she awesome. was, she still is just um, absolutely amazing. And without her in my life um, and, you know, the, the support of my parents and my friends and stuff, I don't think I would be where I am today and have the knowledge and and skills and everything to be able to help me live my life so and I'm sure you know you had the cane with you and and were pretty visible was that um how do I let me ask it this way did you find it was an icebreaker was it easy or more difficult to interact on the same level as your peers um, I'm really trying to remember because I think when I first started using my cane, I didn't, I didn't want to be different. So um, I didn't want to take it places with me, but my parents were very much, they, they enforced that, you know, um, I was not going to leave my house without it. Um, you know, and after a couple of times, my mother forgot to tell me things, important things like, you know, stairs and things like that. Um, I, you know, I was soon glad that they, they reinforced those things. Um, so my cane has always been just, you know, an extension of who I am. Um, even today when I'm going sighted guide with someone, I do always have it, you know, in, in my other hand, because yeah. I've, I had several O&M instructors tell me it's not your guide's responsibility to tell you everything that's coming up so do you do you bling your cane out do you personalize it no no <laughs> <laughs> so what was your experience like with consumer groups um you know either of the organizations afb how much um you know assistance did you get with um assistive materials and things well be prior to actually coming to the American Council of the Blind, how much interaction did you have with the organizations? Um, so I think when I was like four or five, somebody tried to convince my parents to join um, NFB. And um, I do remember going to one of their 
I don't know, some of the, one of their gatherings or something. And, and my parents just, they, they were not going to do that because everyone there was kind of, oh, you need to send her to a blind school. And my, my parents were very much, they didn't want me to leave home. Um, so for the longest time, I would not really have anything to do with blindness organizations. Um, and then in, you know, like 2000 or 2001 or whenever ACB Radio Interactive started, um, that's kind of when I really started getting into it because, you know, I was listening to that and I was like, oh, well, this might be cool. Um, and, but unfortunately there were not any local chapters where I lived. So, um, you know, I, I could never really get involved in anything um, because there weren't any local chapters where I lived. So I didn't have any real, you know, interaction until 2009. So I'm going to segue a little. There's another couch that is pretty visible within the American Council of the Blind. What would you like to share about your relationship with us? Um, so, I mean, we, we are married. Um, we, we, it's kind of funny how we met. So, um, in 2012, I well, in 2012, Joey likes to say that I was his convention stalker because we were both at the Kentucky Council of the Blind convention and um, I had never met him in person. We somehow ended up following each other on Facebook. Um, and so, you know, I never ended, uh, never met him in person, but then at that convention, um, I met him in person and I kept following him around all that time. And he's finally like, what do you want? You know, and so, um, so. You. <laughs> So we didn't, he lived, um, at that time, he lived in Hazard, Kentucky, which is about three and a half hours from here. Um, and so I knew I liked him, but I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's never going to work for us to date. Um, and then in, at the end of 2014, he ended up moving down here to, or ended up moving to Louisville because um, Hazard is, there's just not a lot there for blind people. So he moved here to Louisville and, um, we, he came to a new year's Eve party, um, that I had, um, in 2014 and that, that was kind of our first official date. And, um, well, we all know the rest of the story after that. So, <laughs> well, people usually love the proposal story. Would you share that with us? Um, Yes. So for those of you who don't know Joey, Joey is just very, um, <laughs> he's, he's not a lot of, there's not a lot of talk with Joey. So, um, his, when, when we got engaged, um, he had taken one of my friends, um, down here who is fully sighted, um, him and her went to go pick out a ring and stuff. And, um, so it was, Derby Day of 2016, um, and Joey showed up at my house like a little bit before 8 a.m. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, what are you? You know, what are you doing? It is way too early." Um, so he came in and he, because we were supposed to go to a derby party, um, and he put his stuff down and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna go get donuts." And I was like, "Okay." And so he kept telling me. So in our in my house there is. A, um, a bar that separates the living room and the kitchen and he's like so don't you know don't touch the bar don't touch the bar don't touch the box on the bar okay so you know I'm thinking what is the big deal but you know I didn't and so 
he went to go get donuts um and i was finishing getting ready for the day and he came back and so i was walking through the living room to go to the kitchen um to get a donut and most people when they propose um you know they they just kind of have some stuff to say to you but so i was walking through the living room and joey just kind of stopped me and he you know got down on one on one knee and he's like so um do you want to get married and i was like you know what i mean most people kind of lead up to that and at 8 a.m that was that was kind of a <laughs> i wasn't expecting that um but yeah so that's how that happened that's awesome so let's segue now to some of your leadership journey uh tell us when you really found yourself and your niche here within the American Council of the Blind and, and some of the leadership that you've experienced up to this point? Um, so, well, like I said, I became very interested in ACB um, when I went to the Orlando convention in 2009, because one of my room, uh, one of my friends had won a scholarship and she wanted me to be her roommate. So um, I went and I was very interested in it. Um, just because, you know, convention was just, it was, it was an awesome experience and I knew I wanted to be more a part of that. Um, and I was still living in Illinois at that time. And like I said, we didn't have a local chapter. Um, so then in 2010, I was doing an internship at the Chicago Lighthouse. So I got involved with the, um, Chicago or whatever they're called. I can't remember the name of them, but the Chicago local chapter of um the illinois of yeah. the illinois council of the blind and so um i did you know i did several things with them and then in 2011 is when i really started because i moved here to louisville um and when carla rushable knows that she has an acb member coming <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you, especially you, one that wants to do work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, um, <laughs> so I got very involved um, with the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. And um, in 2012, I ended up being elected to their board of directors where I served for, I don't know, a year or two. And then I became like the second vice president. And then I somehow ended up as secretary. And then um, that then I ended up being more involved with the, you know, with the state affiliate and being secretary of both the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind and the Kentucky Council of the Blind for um, a while. And that was kind of a lot. And then um, in 2020 or 21, I can't remember. Um, it must have been 21. 20. I got elected as the president of um, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Um, and I don't know, I guess I, I've always, I've never really started out thinking, oh, I want to be in leadership, but I always knew that um, I wanted to help and to help in ACB wherever I could. So I guess my volunteering and, and all of those things just kind of led me to those leadership roles. And then, of course, you were um, selected as a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Um, yes. And we, we are in the same class, which is wonderful. Um, what, was, what did that experience mean for you? And, and you've been pretty darn um, involved, you know, planning the la last year and, and, you know, keeping the program 
um, out there and he, people knowing about it. So what did that experience mean for you? Um, that experience for me was very, I was very honored to receive that award um, because, you know, they do, they do only pick the five people. And um, I know that there is a lot of talent out there. So um, I was, I was very honored to receive that award. Um, I honestly think that, that last year at convention, it, you know, it, it had more more of a real feel to it because I mean the virtual was awesome but it yeah. was fun to be able to meet all of my class in person and to be able to meet a lot of the previous and um the the JP Morgan winners that year and um you know it, it was kind of fun because people actually saw us last year and and you know knew that we were kind of real if that makes sense yeah and you know i was just realizing as as you were talking um there's at least four of us on the call right now i'm not looking at the at yep. the participants list <laughs> but there is at least four of us on the call right now you know sheila being one of the first classes um Bryn being the class after us um mm -hmm. so <laughs> it is definitely a great experience um so now let's talk about community, but before we get into your role and, and, and how things are transitioning, let's talk about your journey. When, when did you, what was your first call, if you remember, and you know, what, what did the community mean to you? Just one moment. Sorry. My boss is actually calling me at this moment. Um, <laughs> Cindy, um, she's on, she's on air live. <laughs> Um, so the, um, I'm sorry, you asked me what the first call was, is that what you If asked you me? remember, yeah. Um, honestly, the first call that I think I went to, because I was one of those people, and, and this is going to sound terrible, but when community first came, like when I, when I first started reading about community, I was like, oh, you know, I don't need this. Cause at the time I, you know, I was still working cause during COVID my job never stopped. Um, because I worked for our utility company. So I was still working and I was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to have time to, to, to get on these calls and, and to do this stuff. Well, one day um, I went, my first call was actually Diane's um, basic iPhone class because I couldn't figure out something. So um, I went to her, or I don't know, was it iPhone or Facebook or something that she did. So that was my first call. And I don't really go to a lot of community calls as a participant, um, but I knew when, you know, when, when community had started and when the when the virtual convention happened in 2020, I knew I wanted to be able to um, help. I wasn't so sure I wanted to be able to attend a lot of calls as a as a participant, but I knew I wanted to volunteer in some way because um, community is, you know, it's, it's awesome. And uh, what Cindy started is an amazing thing because even before COVID, um, I know that there are a lot of individuals here in Kentucky that don't have transportation to be able to be a part of chapters. So to me, it was just amazing when she started this whole thing that people can, um, be a part of things virtually so i knew i wanted to help i just I, I i just never really attended a lot of calls um as a participant 
And so, you know, like many of us, you learned how to host and you learned how to do breakout sessions and webinars and, and hosted quite a bit of, of that first convention. Um, and as things started to ramp up, you also started to help teaching others how to host and things. So I'm sure that that felt very fulfilling at the time and, and still does, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So then we, you know, felt the need to have a membership services assistant and we had the amazing um, Colby, Colby Garrison, um, who, you know, if you hear her on a call, you can't, you know, you can't help but smile. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and there's all that energy. And, and I sometimes, you know, I've asked both of them, you know, do you sleep? Like, you know, do you actually get, you know, an extended four to five hours at one shot of sleep? Um, so when Colby was transitioning and the position was being posted, what were your first thoughts? And, um, you know, what was the process like interviewing and, and finding out you got it? Um, so when I read the email, um, well, there, I, I had two mixed emotions the day that I read the email, because when I happened to look at my email at work that day and I saw that the job um, was being posted, I had just gotten off of a really difficult call, um, you know, at my in my job. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go apply for this. Well, then, um, you know, then when I really started thinking about it, I was like, I don't know, because there is so much talent um, that we have out there in the community. And I was like, I, there are so many people that are, you know, so much well, um, uh, more well known than I am. And, and so I, I was really kind of having some, some thoughts about, oh, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to be good enough to do this. And then um, I kind of sat down and thought about it some more. And I was like, well, if I don't try, then the automatic answer is no. Um, and if I don't try, then I can't complain about the job that I was in because I'm not doing anything to try to better my situation. Um, so I applied and um, then I got a phone call from ACB on like a Monday night at, I don't know, it was like 6.30 or something. And um, I was going to be late to host something else that I was supposed to be doing. And they're like, do you have time to do this interview? It'll only take, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, I can't say no. <laughs> so um, I was like, sure. So I went through the the phone interview process. Um, and at that time, I know Cindy was really busy with stuff. And so um, I hadn't heard anything for a while. And I was like, oh, well, you know, this, this probably didn't happen or something. And so then um, it was like a Tuesday at work and I was checking my email on one of my breaks or something. And, um, you know, I had gotten the email that um, Cindy wanted me to, to do um, an interview with her. And so she gave me a few dates and times that were that same week. And I'm thinking, Hmm, how am I going to do this? Because normally in my job, um, you know, you have to ask for time off pretty far out in advance because it's, a, it's yeah. a call center job. So, so I was like, okay, so I just picked a time and emailed Cindy back. And um, so I was like, well, I'll figure out how I'm going <laughs> to cross this bridge with my work. And so I just kind of emailed my, my boss and said, so um, I have this really important um, appointment on, this day that just came up and I can't do anything about it to get out of it. So 
um, I was like, whatever we have to do, I need to, you know, to be able to take this day off. And so she gave it to me. Um, and then unfortunately that day that I woke up, um, I was so sick. Like I had gotten Ooh. some sort of stomach virus and, um, I was like, oh no. So, um, I was kind of very, um, I was very like, I don't even know if I can do this interview, but I was like, I can't cancel it. So, um, I did that. And then, um, you know, I, I waited for a little bit and then, um, on good Friday of this year, I actually, so it was, I don't know, it was like 1230. I just gotten off the phone with Carla Rushable. And so it was like 1230 that morning of Good Friday. And my I stupidly thought, I'm going to check my email. Well, then, so I checked my email and I got this note from Cindy that said I had made it to the next round of, of interviews. And I had to do um, a, you know, the, the demonstrative piece to show that I could do this job. So um, I was up most of that night because I'm thinking, you know, so she's, she's given me all this stuff that I needed to do. And I mean, it really wasn't a lot, but when I first started looking at it, I was like, oh, you know, cause I had to go to work that day. So um, I'm thinking, okay, so I work from eight to 4.30. Um, I'd already made transportation plans to go to dinner with a friend that night to celebrate her birthday. And then I had to come home and host a community call. And Cindy's like, so I need this back by Saturday. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, fabulous. So we're gonna figure this out. So. Um, I went to work all that day and, you know, all that day I'm sitting there doing my job and thinking about how I'm going to um, fit all this in. And so I went to dinner and came home and hosted the community call. And um, then I was up till probably, I don't know, 2.30 or something that Saturday morning. Not after, And this was after, you know, not sleeping that Thursday because, you know, I'd been up reading all this email and all these things that I was supposed to be doing. So then... I was up to like 2.30 or something that Saturday morning, giving myself a, a crash course on um, Excel because there were some things that I knew I need to do that I couldn't remember how to do. So I was on YouTube and Google kind of giving myself a crash course on Excel. And then, um, so I woke up that Saturday morning and had a board meeting for the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. And then I, you know, started working on this, uh, these things for Cindy. And, um, and so I got those done and then um, I had to go play Bunko that night because I had committed to substitute for someone when all I really wanted to do was just crash. Sleep. And then, of course, you know, Easter <laughs> was the next day. But it was um, doing that demo piece was kind of a whirlwind, um, uh, you know, a whirlwind thing for me because I had all these plans. But I was like, I'm going to make this work. And so um, I did that. And then after I submitted that, um, that following Tuesday, I believe, um, I got a call from Nancy Becker and we played phone tag for a little bit and um, she said, so I know that you did this project for Cindy. Um, she said, I have one other thing that I want you to do, but it has to be done during business hours. And I'm thinking, great, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to pull this off? Um, so um, luckily I had already had a doctor's appointment scheduled that Thursday um, and was already taking off the morning. So I just kind of told my boss, I was like, I need the rest of the day off. Um, so I took that day off and that was when I had to go, um, you know, do my drug tests and, and things for um, 
ACB. And then um, that next Monday, I got the official offer and I couldn't, that was very hard for me because I couldn't say anything for like four or five days. Um, of course, I told Joey, but I was like, you, you know, I was kind of nervous that he might say some stuff, um, but nothing could get out until, you know, the official announcement, um, yeah. announcement was posted. So. So tell us about um, putting in your resignation and your final day. Uh, were you still with the utility company? I was. Okay. And so when I got the call that, well, so um, yeah, when I got the call that Monday um, with the official job offer, um, I, I kind of knew that I was going to get offered when they want you to go drug test because usually they don't have yeah. you do that unless you're going to get offered so in my head i didn't say anything but in my head to anyone but in my head i was kind of planning um you know how i was going to to do the the resignation um so when i got the official job offer um and i called nancy back to accept then um you know i i just i i kind of asked for a meeting with my supervisor um i told her what was going to happen? She said, so this was on April 7th, April 17th, I think. Um, and so I kind of had a meeting with my boss and I said, so um, they want me to start on the 24th. Um, and I said, so my last day is going to be April, whatever that Thursday was, the 20th, I believe. So I said, my last day is going to be April 20th. Um, and I am, you know, I, um, I'm going to use my vacation and sick time to cover my two week notice. Um, you know, and of course I went into the whole, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, blah, blah, blah stuff. And then, um, so that whole week was like a, I, I just had this huge feeling of relief because that job, um, was very, overwhelming and stressful and um it, it just was not not where I needed to be so um that whole week you know was was kind of like a a relief for me and then on the 20th my last day it was you know my last call I was like okay you know I, I was the whole day um as I was going into work that day um on my last day i'm thinking you know it's going to be game on with my customers but then i was like no i'll you know i'll be good and, and professional. Um, <laughs> that that temptation to say the things that you could never really say yeah popped its head but then drifted right back away yes um right. so that's kind of how the resignation went so and and I ask this, you know, we, we, we talk in community calls and definitely on this show about employment, um, lack of, you know, and especially certain rehab, folk rehab services that may try to push folks into um, a certain path that's easy for them that might necess not necessarily be what's, you know, good or best for the individual themselves. So do you have any message to folks out there who may be in a job that you know, they're not happy with it's not their calling or who haven't gotten that first job yet and, and are listening to this thinking, you know, when is it going to be my turn? Um, I think my message would be to, you know, to, to just keep putting yourself out there um, and, you know, try not to 
try not to settle um, because if you if you know and you believe that you can do something, just try not to settle for something just because, you know, just because you have it and, and don't be afraid of rejection because, um, I mean, you know, this was not the first job that I applied for. I mean, you know, so I, I went through those those rejections and and yes, they are not always fun and not mm. always the, you know, the greatest things to get, but um in order to in order to get what you want sometimes you have to do the hard things so don't don't be afraid to to do those hard things and to just keep you know if you believe in yourself um i really feel like then things will happen for you so in a couple of minutes, we're going to open it up to Clubhouse and those that are here in the Zoom room. If you're out there listening on ACB Media and you'd like to say congratulations or there's a question that you have for Natalie, come on into the room and get those hands up. You can find uh, the Sunday edition. It is the same link. So whatever Sunday edition post you find, just grab that link. Um, did you have an opportunity to have any conversations with Colby? And if so, what advice um, did she give you other than buckle up? <laughs> Um, I have not had a lot of conversations with Colby um, about, you know, she she was in my interview um, that I did with Cindy. Um, but I uh, she's the great thing about Colby is she's always there if I, you know, if I have any questions. Um, but I know she's busy doing her own job. So I try not to, you know, I, I try not to to bother her. Um so no, we haven't really had a lot of conversations about the job. Um, and I'm trying to think, she really hasn't given any advice, but I haven't really, you know, I haven't really asked for any either just because I know she does have her own things that, that you know, that she is doing. But it is, it is amazing to me to just, just the supportiveness of the staff and to just know that, I mean, Cindy is probably one of the most patient people I know because um, I know I've asked her questions that she's probably like, oh my gosh, you know, we just went over this. Why do you not know it? But she, um, you know, she's very, she's, she's just, she's awesome. And she is, I've never had a boss that's been so willing to, to help. I mean, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't mind helping and she will tell me, you know, if you need help, I will help you do whatever it is. I realize there's an ulterior motive so that we can get things done on time that need to be done on time. But I also truly believe that, you know, she really does want to help. So that's awesome. You know, I've heard from folks that wanted to facilitate calls that part of the conversation with Cindy is, you know, all of the reasons why you won't want to facilitate, facilitate a call in the, in the best possible way. But, um, was there any part of the conversation like, okay, these are the reasons why you might not want to take this job? Um, no, I mean, she told me, you know, I, I didn't know in the interview what, you know, she, she told me a lot more about what that, what it does entail. And, and and things like that, but I I felt like you know I I could I could do those things. There have been some some bumps in the road along the way, um, but you know again, we I have such a supportive network of both ACB staff and volunteers that 
I don't feel like those things are um, are insurmountable, um, you know, because we can, everything can be fixed is what I'm learning. So, um, and, you know, I, I just know that if it was not for Cindy and not for the amazing group of volunteers that community has, um, you know, this, this job would not be possible for me to do. So in which, in whatever way you feel comfortable sharing, I know um, Gabriel and I have had a lot of conversations about our various leadership roles and, and not having conversations about the subtext of what we may be doing in our roles. Um, has that been much of a conversation in your household? Um, no, because Joey, well, he's not very conversational. So, um, <laughs> no, but, um, no, Joey is just more kind of, you know, you, you, you do what you want to do. And, um, I mean, I think he's happy for me in his own way. So it's just kind of, you know, you do whatever you want to do and, and, and whatever makes you happy is, is kind of his philosophy. So. That's awesome. What was the biggest surprise once you got started? Um, well, the biggest good surprise was just how supportive, you know, how, how supportive everyone is. Um, and just, you know, the, the amazingness of, of all of the volunteers that we have. Um, I think one of the surprises for me was just kind of the, I realized that community had, has a lot of events, but I think I was very surprised and I didn't understand all that. The um, integral moving parts behind yes, the scenes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I would, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, definitely a repeat offender. I will get you the information at 1155 on Wednesday because <laughs> I am scrambling to figure out what's happening this coming Sunday. Um, so thank you for your graciousness. Um, how about um, what was, let me rephrase that. So I know you recently did your first um, as as the facilitator daily call daily schedule call. Looking at, you know, looking forward at convention and some of the opportunities where, you know, you're going to have to be in front of the mic. What, um, what does that feel like for you? Um, that is something that I do need to get, um, a little bit more used to, cause I'm so used to most of my dealings with community has been as a host. So, you know, where we're just kind of um, we only talk when we are allowing people to talk yeah. or, you know, <laughs> something. Um, so it's, I, I need to, I need to get over the nervousness of, of talking. Um, that first call that I facilitated last Friday, um, I was really nervous and I know I forgot things. Now, I think this past Friday's call for ACB Presents went a little bit better. Um, and then of course, you know, last night I, I, um, facilitated a set of karaoke. So um, I'm trying to get used to that, but 
I I still do get nervous. And even today before coming on here, I, I got nervous. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have an open invitation here. Um, and there are gonna be weeks where I am filling in. In fact, next week Lucy Edmonds will be hosting Sunday edition. Um Gabriel and I will be in New York. And uh during the month of July I'll be asking for hosts, so I might be knocking on your door. <laughs> So how are you balancing being a member and being part of staff and your various leadership roles? Um, sometimes it, it, it can be a, you know, kind of a hard balance. Um, I guess for me that, that balance is, is just knowing when to be involved as each role. Does that make sense? Like, um, it you does. know, knowing how, what my the best way is to be in, involved in the in the role that I'm in so um you know when I'm when I'm at my local chapter of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind where I'm president um I I do have to remember that I am always representing ACB so I have to be careful um how I portray myself and to to not let myself and I have to remember that yes, these people in my chapter are my friends, but I also have to I, I also have to be aware Cautious that I and aware, yeah. And that I don't look like I'm, you know, playing favorites or that I'm whatever. So I, I'm constantly always thinking about that. So would you mind answering some fun questions to get to know you as Natalie before we open it up for our audience? No, that's cool. No, go ahead. All right. So, you know, let me ask you this first. What has been the most interesting daily question? Um, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I, I don't know. I found the one where, um, what everyone's middle names were. Um, I found that, you know, that question was very interesting. I believe that was asked last Thursday. And then the one that I asked this past Friday of, um, what everyone's dream job would be if you took accessibility and all the other yeah. obstacles, you know, that, that was very interesting as well. And kudos to each one of the morning crew, um, that you keep coming, you all keep coming up with great fresh questions. Kudos, kudos. All right. So let's go, let's go food. Are you a cook? And if so, what is your favorite thing to make? Um, I am not a cook. So we're going to say my favorite recipe is the, Uber Eats app. <laughs> that's just so much easier. <laughs> and, you know, when you go to the Uber Eats app, what is the category that you go to most often? Um, it depends. Um, we do a lot of, I like barbecue. So, you know, like brisket and, um, you know, stuff like that. So that's it's probably one of my favorite things and Mexican. Are you more of a dance under the moonlight or spend the day doing something physical in the sun kind of person? Um, it's a, it's probably more of like a dance under the moonlight type person. Where's your bucket list? Uh, I have to, you know, experience this place before I die. Um, one of the huge things on my bucket list, and I really hope at some point that I get to do it just because I live close to it is I really want to go to the Grand Old Opry. Um, so that is a huge thing on my bucket list. <laughs> What's your top five performers? 
You can um, do three, five, seven. You know, what? Are, who are the ones that you go to the most? So, Brad Paisley, because he mm -hmm. can. He that man can sing the phone book to me, and um, you know, <laughs> um, and um, oh gosh, I don't know. This is a, this is a hard. Um, I'm Amy Grant. Um, I've always, she's always been kind of one of my go-to people, um, and. Let's see. Probably George Strait um, is really good. And, oh, I don't know. We'll go with the top three. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we got to give an honorable mention to Ms. Grant's husband. Oh, yes. Vince Gill, yes. <laughs> Vince Gill, yes. All right. Um, book, movie, TV show that changed your life and why? Oh, gosh. Um... Honestly, I don't know if any of you know the author Rachel Hollis. Um, she does a lot of the like girl wash your face, you know, stop apologizing books, kind of, kind of like those self help books. Um, that right, she is kind of my. She was what I read when I needed a um, kind of a new, a new perspective on life and kind of she's kind of one of those people that is, you know, do what makes you happy and kind of not really not pay attention to anybody else, but, you know, focus on what makes you happy. Dog or cat? Um, probably a cat. <laughs> and if you had 24 hours with no accessibility challenges, no, there is nothing stopping you. 24 hours how would you spend it? Um, and I know people are going to think that this is going to sound really like cliche and that I'm just like sucking up or whatever. But honestly, if I had 24 hours to spend it, I would do something so I could, because I, I would love to meet and to just thank all of the community volunteers for all of the the hard work that they put into it and just just um i would try to meet everybody in the community because um without them i wouldn't have a job so <laughs> <laughs> well you'll get a good head start at that I, I, a good head start on that in schomburg in uh, just a little over two months yeah all right so if we had a cattle prod and we kept prodding until joey actually answered the question what would he say your greatest attribute is and what is your most frustrating quality um so this is joey's answer this is joey's answer um he well i can tell you what he would say my most frustrating quality is and i'm, I'm trying to get better about this but it's hard for me so I do not like it when I ask a question and people either say, like, they won't give me a reason. So they'll answer the question, but they won't give me a reason. So they're, they're either just like, I don't know, or just because, because I have always been taught that there is a reason for everything. Like there's a reason why we think something, why we do something. And so um, that is my biggest frustration when people are like, well, just because. Um, so I know that that is what he would say. 
his biggest frustration is with me because I am like, so why do you feel this way? Why do you, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, let's see. As for my greatest attribute, I honestly don't know what he would say because um, I know when, you know, when we were about to get married, I, you know, I asked him why he picked me out of everybody. And he's like, well, just because you are the way you are. So I, I honestly don't know what he would say my greatest attribute is. If you could go back um, as the Natalie you are right now and sit down and have a conversation with Natalie on that first day of sixth grade, what would you want to tell her? And what do you think she would think of the Natalie you are now? Um, I would honestly tell her to, to just be more patient and to just learn to, to wait and that, you know, good things really will happen. Um, and I think that the Natalie in sixth grade and even more recent than that would not have believed that I am where I am. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for being so vulnerable with us. Um, let's get some of the audience up in here. Sheila, do we have some hands? And Chanel, you know the drill. Just let us know if there is anyone in Clubhouse. We do. The first hand is Chanel. All right. Yes, we have Patty in Clubhouse. I think I know hey, which Patty, Patty this is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Hey. Nat Natalie? I don't know what in the world anybody could want to ask you after that. Anthony is an amazing <laughs> interviewer, and you've done, I just wanted to say, the first thing that came to mind when she said my name was, you have done an amazing job answering the questions. <laughs> Thank Honest, you. above board, very clear, well-spoken. I have enjoyed hearing and getting to know you. Um, I didn't know you when you hoaxed. When I had you as host in either of my calls, and you kind of have to have football gear to go into my calls, um, and you did an amazing job in my hospitality room. And that Thanks. was the first, um, you know, major interaction that I'd had with you. When you uh, work behind the scenes, you do such a good job. You do that well. So now I'm excited to watch you bloom. So I just wanted to voice my encouragement. I don't really have a question for you. I Thank think you. you probably have a lot to, to absorb. I remember getting a new job once. Uh, it was very sudden. I was a volunteer assistant as a volunteer coordinator. The lady who was my immediate supervisor died, and they promoted me because I was trained. So it was a very strange moment and a lot to absorb. Your reason is much better. So enjoy yes. it <laughs> and, uh, and let me know as a facilitator if I can help. And you have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Next, Debbie. Uh oh. I think I know this person. <laughs> you do know her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll claim to know you anyway. Congratulations. Hey, but Thanks. Um, is it going to be different attending convention this year as staff? You know, because you've attended as just a participant in the past. So is it going to be different for you this year? as staff 
Um, that is a great question. And yes, I was actually just having this conversation with someone the other day. Um, I, I do believe it's going to be different as staff. I'm already getting nervous um, as about attending it as staff because I feel like, um, you know, if I get lost somewhere, that that is not, <laughs> um, that's not going to look <laughs> that's good. That's not the and, good look. <laughs> so, yes. And so, yes, I am, I am actually very nervous about um, attending as staff. <laughs> You know, I am going to say this. Follow Cindy. Yeah. Watch Cindy. <laughs> em emulate Cindy. You know, Cindy strikes the perfect balance. You know, no one goes unhugged. Um, no one doesn't feel the personal touch. And yet she's still running it. Yep. <laughs> so you, you've got the perfect mentor there. Thank well, you so much. Anthony, I will, I will tell you that Natalie and I... Um, we walked back to our rooms together last year. So. We did. <laughs> All right. Yes. You, you still have a couple hands. So yeah, let's point. bring them on. All right, Judy. Hey there. Oh, this is great, you guys. Um, so, Natalie, my question is that um, from what I understand about your job, it is not your typical nine to five job where you log on in the morning, you take a regular lunch hour, you log off at five or whatever. Um, I'm assuming it's very different from what you were doing before, even in person versus remote or, or whatever. But um, how are you dealing with what I'm assuming are the different demands put on you at off hours? Like if Cindy calls you when you're having dinner or, you know, to put out a, a fire, has, has that come up? And <laughs> how do you yeah, how do you feel that you're doing with that? Because that's probably very different from what you were doing before. Am I am I right in saying that? Yes, it is great different. Question. I mean, the, so my that was a great question, Judy. Thank you. So my my schedule does say nine to five, but I I do know, and and Cindy did make it very clear, um, in my first interview that it is more than a nine to five job. And, um, it's funny that you talk about Cindy calling during dinner because yes, that that's happened several <laughs> times. And every time yesterday, every time I sat down to, um, try to eat something. Um, then I had to go <laughs> do something. So, um, yeah, so it, it is, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, well, I mean, it's not good because it means that mistakes have happened, but it, mm -hmm. it, it, um, it, you know, you just, you just kind of learn to deal with it and, um, you just drop what you're doing and you go do what needs to be done and then you, you know, go back. So. Yeah, but and you knew it going in, obviously, as you said, yes, going yeah. into the job, and and probably from speaking to Colby from time to time, you would know that that uh, that that's what goes on with yes, that. Yes, because I've had so, to be yeah. one of those people that used to text her and be like, "I need, <laughs> oh, you know, yes. I need yeah. this." So. <laughs> We're and, sitting and here, and the room's not open. Yeah, right? <laughs> now, now the tissue is on the other foot now, so now it you know is. how it is. Yes, <laughs> great. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> All right, someone with an uh, area code 270. Oh, I know this person too. Hey, Eldon. Tell us who you are. Hey, I'm Eldon. Hey, congratulations, Natalie. And I'm so, Thanks. so proud of my fellow of my fellow Illinoisan. And I know you're going to do a great job and do ACB proud and keep that bucket list, the Grand Ole Opry involved, because we're working on that, okay? You have <laughs> yeah. a great one, okay? Thanks, and thanks for being here. Right. <laughs> hey, Clubhouse, oh, you're welcome. First, don't I forget. I wouldn't have missed can... it, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. Herbie. 
All right. Well, first of all, I'll just steal Anthony's thunder and say, Clubhouse, you can hit the request to speak button. Uh, I don't get paid for this, so uh, no. Um, <laughs> anyway, first of all, Natalie, I just want to say I'm really glad to have you on board. You know, I, uh, I'd mentioned that to, to Colby that whoever Phil takes her place has to be as bubbly as her. And uh, uh, you have a different personality, but I, I think you'll do really well. I'll just, um, and, I, and, I, and, and this testimonial was not being paid, by the way, just up front, but I was really super impressed about uh, two or three weeks ago. So I'm one of those chronic late people that I will probably almost wait to the last minute sometimes to submit my calls because I forget I've got a gazillion other things going on. And so Wednesday, one Wednesday evening, I'm just moseying right along with my thing. And I go through my email. I get this really polite email from Natalie Couch saying, you have not submitted your call yet. Could you please do so if you'd like to be included in tomorrow's schedule? And I was like, oh, that's so polite. And uh, um, and she's always been quick to respond because I've been kind of like, um, well, we, we've had a few interesting room opening crises lately where uh, I, you know, we've had bad links or I can't get a room open or whatever. And Natalie is usually uh, quick to respond and uh, all that. So, um, you know, she, she she's very polite, very responsive. That being said, Natalie, the trick, it, two tricks, eat over your computer, well, not over your computer, but by your computer and know who you can send the voicemail and who to answer the call. You know, like your boss, uh, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, oh, did I say that? Crap, now I'm going to get voicemail and I need to call her for something important. But um, uh, I guess my question, two questions for you. One of them is ACB related and one of them is not. One, like, do you intend to... And at least anything that you can talk about, like make, make any other changes that we can expect to see. And two, have you actually seen a Kentucky, Kentucky Derby in person? And great interview. And uh, yeah. Thanks. Thank um, I don't know about any changes yet. Um, I, I have a couple things, but I have not voiced them to Cindy. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to say anything without any of that um, yeah. I mean it's, it's just kind of and I don't even know that they are warranted it's just kind of my brain's always thinking so um it's just well, one thing the one thing I will say because you know we, as a community host and just everything guy I've worked with Cindy for the last two years and if anybody is open to at least listening to you and considering it ideas it's definitely Cindy and that is yeah. yep. one great thing of working with her anyway Yes. Um, so I don't really have any changes, but to answer your second question, no, I've never seen a Kentucky Derby. Um, um, a few years ago, I was almost going to get to go, but then, um, that didn't work out. Um, cause one of my friends had asked me, they, um, one of her uncles was supposed to go with her or something and it had had surgery and then he ended up being able to go. So, um, no, part of me does really want to do that, but part of me is like, Ugh, it's going to be so crowded and it's going to be so, you know, just crazy. So I don't know. I kind of want to do it just to say that I did it, but I don't know. <laughs> well, it seems like a bit romantic because, because you mentioned Derby day at the beginning. And of course in Louis, Kentucky, you know, Derby day is probably like a national holiday. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Great questions, Herbie. Sheila, who's up next? And now, Yes, we have Sue Ellen in Clubhouse. Okay. Hey, Sue Ellen. Hey, well, first off, I know you are going to do awesome things with this job, Natalie, because Thanks. you just have that kind of drive and that kind of determination. 
Um, and actually, Herbie asked the question I was going to ask. <laughs> Get out of my head, Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sheila, how many more hands do we have? We don't have any. So we're done. That's right. an awesome job. <laughs> Zoom Clubhouse, this is your last call for Natalie. Uh, Sheila Brin, if you want to do any congratulations or you have any questions before we transition over. Well, she knows that I <laughs> I sent her congratulations when she was hired, so she already knows that. Thanks. Well, then, Natalie, I am sure you are going to be back on Sunday edition many times in the future, but thank you so much for taking some time today. Hopefully you get to have a full uninterrupted meal. <laughs> <laughs> And if not, you know, it is what it is. So it is what it is. And, and uh, it's a great job. It's worth uh, it's worth rushing through a meal for. Right. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Any final thoughts you want to share with the uh, ACB community? Um, I just want to say thank you all for just being so supportive and so patient and and um, just just bear with me because I'm trying to get better. So um, and thanks, Anthony, for this opportunity. Absolutely. I think I can speak for most of the membership when we say that you're doing a really great job and we're really very happy that uh, you took the position. So thanks. thanks. All right. So I am welcoming back crazy Stacy, Stacy Paulson. She was here on Sunday edition a few weeks ago with the vision cast crew. And um, we decided to take a little bit more in depth conversation, look at uh, her life and talk about her starting a brand new business. So Stacy, why don't you unmute and say hello? Well, hello, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we touched a little bit on everyone's journey when you guys were here a couple of weeks ago, but let's really dive into same thing. Where are you from? Um, what was your journey, you know, through school? How did you find ACB? Tell us what we need to know about Crazy Stacy. Um, well, actually, it's Crazy Stacy 25, believe it or not, which I do have a story about that. Um, but yeah, the full stage name is actually Crazy Stacy 25. Um, yeah, um, so, and I, I will definitely share that story because it's a unique story. So I was born in Minnesota, but I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I lived in, you know, Arizona most of my life. I did live in California for a few years, and I did have an experience uh, when my parents lived in Costa Rica, and now they live in Mexico. I've had an experience, you know, living abroad. It wasn't my favorite experience, being honest. Um, really nice countries to visit, but I prefer living in the States. A lot more services here, for sure. Um, but I spent most of my life in the Phoenix area. I went to public school. Um, I, there was a couple of blind people that were at my school, but not very many. Um, and yeah, I'm 35 years old now. I'll be turning 36 this year in November. Um, although everybody says I look and sound a lot younger than that. Um, and let's so let's, let's explore for a minute. Um, when did your parents move abroad? 
Oh, sorry, I was just making sure my original sound was on. What was that, Anthony? Um, I said, when did your, par- your parents move abroad? Um, let's see. First time in two thousand, the end of 2007. And then in 2010, they lived in Mexico since like 2010, I think it was, around that area. And they like it there, which that's great for them. I'm happy for them. That's awesome. So all of your schooling was here in the States. Yeah, all of my so, schooling was in the States. We spoke with Natalie a little bit earlier. Would you say that your public school experience um, was close to hers? What I, I say that my public experience, what was that? Would you say that your public school experience, um, you know, was the same type of experience as hers was? Um, it was similar to Natalie's, but I wouldn't say it was the same because I actually did have a couple blind people. And she said she was the only uh, person. So I wouldn't say that it was the same as Natalie's, but I would say there were definitely more sighted people in my school than there were blind. And were you guys, um, were the blind students, were you guys put together often or were you able to have the full public school experience? Usually we'd get together like once a week, um, we or once or twice a week. We had uh, the computer club, and um, we would get together, you know, after school and learn how to use talking typer and stuff like that. Usually, like once or twice. I think it was like once or twice a week. And what was some of the extra other than um, other than what you just said? What were some of the other extra curricular activities that you enjoyed? Uh, piano lessons, although um, I'm mostly self-taught now because uh, when I was in school, I, let's just say, I didn't apply myself very well. I didn't see the point of going to school. I didn't see the point of being involved in school. It just, I didn't, I didn't want to work. I didn't really have a good work ethic back then because I wasn't very mature, so... I mean, you know, I was obviously the lazy person. If I could, I didn't ditch school because I knew I'd get caught being blind and stuff. But if I could ditch school, I would. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, All right. So transitioning after school, what was the first? Um, what was the first job you had or the first activity that kind of got you, um, you know, up and into the adult world? Oh, okay. Um, well, oh yeah, I remember when I was, yeah, the piano lessons, because I wasn't applying myself, and then I'll get back into that, because I wasn't applying myself, my parents uh, took that away from me, and I wasn't allowed to learn, so I had to teach myself. As for jobs, um, I did do some bookkeeping at my father's tequila store, Back in 2012, um, I was like a bookkeeper slash accountant. I kept track of all of the sales and how mu- what was sold and for how much. And I calculated and did all the math. Um, so that would be, I also, um, I also answered phones for when he had a hardware business. I would answer phones on the weekends because during the week I was in school. Um, I was in college at that time. Where'd you go to school? Um, well, I went to uh, Liberty Elementary for my elementary school. Um, in in this was in Phoenix. Um, then her, uh, Sunrise Middle School, Horizon High School. 
I had a brief stint in college, but that didn't work out for me either. Um, I went to ASU, Arizona State University, and NAU, Northern Arizona University. Failed both times. I just, I didn't see the point. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't like being schooled. I wanted to kind of branch out and do my own thing. All right. So you worked with your dad for a while. Um, what non-familial jobs have you had? Non-familial? Um, I mean, I've done some, like, I haven't, like, had an actual, like, job outside of the family business um, other, other than, you know, my business that I've been working on. And we're going to get to that in a little while. But let's let's talk a little bit personally. You've been very open with um, you are um, part of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, very when, proud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when did you know? Did you know back in junior high school or high school? And when were you comfortable enough to start living within the rainbow? Well, uh like you said, I'm very open, so I guess I'll just say I'm openly lesbian. I'm proud to be lesbian. Um, and yeah, um, I, I didn't realize until later in life. Some people realize early. I didn't realize until later. I, it's a weird story how I realized it. So I was 21 at the time. I had graduated from high school, barely, with a 2.85 GPA because I couldn't apply myself worth a darn. Um, uh, and yeah, I actually was gonna get a full ride scholarship, but because I screwed that up. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> oh, but you know what? Good for you for being honest and, and, and taking that as part of your journey and understanding that, you know, you had opportunities that you let go. Yeah. Go on. So when I was in community college, um, I've tried the college thing a few times. It just didn't work, so I just gave up on it and decided to go self-employed. But when I was in community college at the time, I was 21 years old. It was February of 2009. This was the time when I was working for my dad doing the phone, answering the phones for his uh, handyman service business. Um, and I was going to community college full-time during the week, so I was working for him on the weekends. I don't remember what exact day it was in February, but it was February 2009, and I went to sleep one day. It was it was during the week because I had school the next day, and I just had this dream. <laughs> I had this dream that I was um, basically uh, <laughs> family friendly. You were yes, it, it is family friendly. It's not okay. there's nothing there's nothing graphic. Um, now I'm just trying to figure out the best way to word it. Um, so I was friends with this lady whose parents were wealthy. They came into money. This was a dream friend. She didn't exist in real life. And, she, you know, her parents owned a hotel. And her name was Sarah. I remember it to this day. And she and I decided to kiss, right? That's as far as it went. Um, but we weren't sure like how to come out or anything. And I remember she was shouting like, let's kiss, like at the top of her lungs. And I was actually, we were at my house in the dream. I was trying to get some food and she's like shouting, let's kiss, like for everyone to hear. And I'm like, no, be quiet, be quiet, you know? And, and then we go to my room to 
to kiss and my younger sister <laughs> she told i guess she overheard and she messed it up it was a shamble she didn't want us kissing <laughs> apparently and i woke up and i'm like okay this is an interesting dream i started to have feelings for a woman and wanting to explore um this is interesting i wonder what this means and then that's when my journey officially began after a dream which is interesting but yeah it was a it was a confusing journey because i didn't know for a while where i fell on the spectrum i i tr i mean bisexual is too broad i'm not attracted to guys really um and i realized that you know being around women and wanting to be with women you know i met a woman shortly after who was a student in college who also was lesbian and i had a huge crush on her um i really wanted to be with her but she didn't have those same feelings but she taught me some things about being lgbtq and and then there was another girl uh, <laughs> i had a crush on a couple of girls back in college uh, one of them was a lesbian, but didn't have any feelings for me at all. The other one was straight as they come and had a boyfriend. And I'm like, darn it. <laughs> was it was it hard for you as also have, you know, being blind transitioning into the LGBTQ world? Um, I think the hardest part was not necessarily being blind and trans, but like, how the heck was I going to come out? That was the... Uh, that was the challenging part because this my journey first started back in 2009 and I was kind of like off and on wondering like what am I going to do and um in 2011 I met a woman cuz I was like going off and on like am I lesbian am I straight am I bi what the heck am I you know just trying to just trying to figure out like where the hell I even fit on this spectrum um, and then in 2011, we had a family friend, uh, she was in her 50s, and I basically, um, I basically told her, hey, you know, I think I'm lesbian. And I, I came to her for guidance. I asked her to please not say anything to my parents, because I wasn't quite ready to come out then, because I still wasn't entirely 100% sure. And... Um, basically she went and, uh, even though I asked her not to say anything, she went and told everybody that I'm a lesbian and told her husband, told her pastor, told my, told my parents, told everyone. I'm sorry. That's not okay. It's not okay to out anyone without ever period. It's never okay to out anyone. How did you manage that? Um, I was furious. I was absolutely furious. I wanted to basically go to her house and confront her and demand answers. But at the same time, I wanted to be, I was kind of scared as well about losing a friendship. So it was weird. It was both. I, unfortunately, I, back then in those days, I was very naive. And I didn't have the experience that I have today. Um, but yeah. Yeah, she basically went and told, and I just, I wanted to confront her. 
Um, and I, I wanted to be able to come out in my own time and and say how I felt. And I was still exploring. I didn't know where, what, you know. So, yeah, I just, basically I acted like nothing happened, but it was really difficult because I wanted to scream at her and demand to know why. How are your parents now? Um, my parents are very accepting. I think they may have been a little bit, I mean, I mean, that was years ago. I don't even know if they remember that, to be honest. Um, my parents, though, are very accepting. Um, and, well, it's the case, and everybody's really been accepting. It's really fortunate. Um, see, my mom and my dad, they both remarried. Um, my stepdad is like a dad to me, and so I call him dad as well. I call them both dad because they're both my dad, really. So, you know, um, but usually for my stepdad, I'll say daddy or something like that to be more, uh, you know, affectionate. It, it just to keep them apart or, you know. But um, my biological father was very accepting, and my stepmom, Louisa, so they were very accepting. My mom and dad were also very accepting, um, and and my sister, um, my siblings are pretty, except for Ben. Ben's the youngest one. He's going to be turning seven. He doesn't really know what all that is yet. He's a bit too young. <laughs> we'll give him some time. We'll check back in in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bit too young to really understand that whole you know, the whole lesbian, LGBTQ type thing. He's a bit too young for that right now. But everybody else is, I, and my family's been accepting, so I'm really fortunate. My friends have been accepting. I'm really fortunate. Um, so I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, as I've gotten older, I think everybody was shocked a bit at first to find out that I like girls, but I think once that wore off... Um, they were very accepting so so let's pivot we're building a story here we're going to get to business in a little while um what were your first encounters with the consumer organizations and um how did you eventually get to acb itself oh to acb um well acb i found out about them by chance um i was in an independent living you know program getting my my training um, and yeah, um, so it was the, uh, I don't remember who to told me about them, but this was like in 2007, 2008, this was before ACB media, it was ACB radio at the time, and they had all these stations you could listen to, um, and I was thinking about hosting my own show on the ACB radio interactive back at the time. I actually was really considering, because I love doing shows and DJs and all that kind of stuff. I've always loved to record since I was little, which I know I'll get, get to that in a bit. But I just was really interested. And so I wasn't a member yet, but I tuned into ACB Radio all the time. And I got to hear all kinds of cool programs, like Cooking in the Dark. Um, I heard, like, radio shows that were put on by blind people on ACB Radio Interactive. I got to listen to the uh, cafe. Uh, 
where you could uh, submit your own music and basically yeah. they play music by blind musicians. And that's how I got involved at first. Um, but it wasn't until 2021 that I became a member. Um, so it wasn't until like 14 years later. I just enjoyed listening to the programs and just thought it was the coolest thing at first. So have you been to a state convention? I know you haven't been to a national one other than virtual. Have you been to a state convention or have you no. had any local chapter? Have you been able to interact in person? No, at all I haven't. I haven't done any chapters or any like in-person conventions. Um, I prefer to, I mean, I, I prefer to do things hybrid because I do have a busy life. So it's much easier now to be, be a member now that it's virtual. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. That's pretty awesome. All right. So, you know, you have told us multiple times now that school wasn't your thing, but apparently learning is not something you're averse to. It's maybe just the rigorous structure of school. Um, you've been an audio, you self-described audio. I, did you say nerd or geek? I forget, but I would say an audio nerd, but geek would nerd. work as well. Geek is, <laughs> it's the same thing effectively so so tell us about that first tape recorder and um you know some of the journey with you and audio production all right so when i was little like five or six my grandmother gave me an audio recorder it was a cassette recorder she gave me a couple of toys to play with and i would you know record all kinds of cool little things like i'd record little skits and stories that i would make up off the top of my head um I'd play pretend, and then I'd record the session to listen back to later. Um, you know, I just recorded all kinds of random stuff. I even took the recorder to school and recorded class. This was before I knew about the whole laws about recording. So, um, but yeah, I recorded everything <laughs> I could get my hands on. I loved recording. And then when I was 11, my dad... This is my biological dad, so I don't get them confused. Um, he got me a boombox. And, yeah, he um, he got me a boombox, and it had a tape, a CD, and an FM radio. And at the time, we were living in California uh, at that time. Actually, um... I had just moved back to Phoenix, but he was still living in California because I lived in California from age seven to nine. So I moved back to Phoenix. Um, I think, yeah, I was like 10 or 11. I, around that age, like 10, 11 years old. Um, they were still living in Tracy, my biological dad and my, uh, his uh, second wife. He's not married to her anymore. Um, but they got me a boombox, and when I would go and visit them, I used to like record on tape um, Cat Country. And when the DJ was going to talk, I would turn it to the cassette date, the deck, and I would say, and that was uh, Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. Here's some more country music coming up next on Cat Country. And then I would play it, and, you know, even when I was with my mom and, you know, you know, back to my mom and um, daddy. Um, and we would do road trips back and forth between California and Phoenix. And my mom would play CDs on the on the car stereo. And I would say, you're listening to Camel Country 108. 
there was a country station in Phoenix, and I would pretend to be the DJ while we were six-hour trips in the car. It was just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that. I, I feel like you're telling my life story right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bryn, please feel free to insert any questions or comments you might have. Um, okay. I would love to because I, I this whole thing about like uh, recording the radio and, and like recording the DJ talking or like, did you ever like record commercials and save them? Yes, um, yeah. that that happened more when I was 17 because I never stopped. I never grew out of recording. Um, actually, the story about commercials was I was in an introduction to business class uh, in my junior year of high school, and my teacher, Mrs. Haugen, uh, shout out to her. Um, I haven't talked to her in ages. I wonder what she's up to with her life now. I don't know if she's still teaching or not. Um, but she had us rate Super Bowl commercials, and she would um, play different commercials, and we were supposed to describe what the commercials were and what we thought of them and do, like, a whole assignment on it. And I just thought that was so intriguing and so interesting. You know, honestly, even though I'm 35 now, almost 36, I still am a kid at heart. I mean, <laughs> granted... If I need to do serious adult things like pay the bills or whatever, um, then I will do that. But there's times I still play pretend at age 35. I mean, why the hell not? Um, Good it's, for you. It's, I don't do it all the time, mind you, because I'm pretty busy with adult things. But there's times I might be a kid or, you know, whatever. Or I mean, I've had stuffed animals. I gave them to my brother because I didn't want to take them on the move. But... I did have stuffed animals as an Stacy. Oh, Your stuffed animals got her. Oh no. You might be being smothered by those animals right at the moment. Oh dear. Don't leave got, them behind. I got to tell you Anthony like just listening to her talking about um cuz I'm from Phoenix as well and you know she's talking about Camel Country 108 and I'm like ah, I know that radio station and I like I know this life that she lived Ooh. as a child. Uh, I had that I had that feeling. Stacy, let us know when you get your audio back. Um you know what, Bryn? You read this with Jaws. <laughs> you know what, Bryn? Um I remember sitting at the tape deck with my finger on the you know, already ready to unpause and you'd hold it so that the minute they start the DJ stopped speaking, I could get as much in. and they always talked into right when the singer was gonna start singing. So, you know, like that whole opening crescendo would have the DJ voice. Um, and I wait to get the best copy, though you know where there would be no talking whatsoever, and I'd have like 20, 20 versions of the same song until I found the one that was the best copy. <laughs> okay, we're getting a lot of background noise. Yep, we're hearing Herbie clapping. Hey, Herbie. Uh, yeah, that was that was great. I I do remember uh, sitting uh, and 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 trying to like I would request a song. And then wait for the DJ to play it. And it would take him like an hour. And then I would, uh, you know, sit at the ready with my finger on the record button with the pause, like you said. And then uh, talk shows that I used to listen to, um, you know, like Art Bell, Coast to Coast uh, AM. I would listen, I'd record those. But my tapes always ran out at the worst Oh, can you guys hear me? <laughs> oh, we've got, we've got you back. Hey. Can you guys, yeah, sorry, everybody. Spectrum decided to take a massive dump. Oh no! 
Wah, wah. Um, I had to join through my personal hotspot so that I wouldn't get any more interruptions. All right. Well, welcome back. We were just we were just reminiscing on you know holding our finger on that pause button so we could get the best quality of of songs and talk shows and things. So, Bryn, you know what? Feel free. Why don't you uh, Why don't you converse a little bit? Stay so, where was I at before the internet um, decided to die down? I don't remember because I was you trying were to figure about out stuffed animals and how you you gave them to your brother when you moved and uh, you know. Oh yeah. Now, now you live. Okay, so. Yeah, now I live in Ohio. But yeah, uh, the commercials, back to the commercials, because I was talking about being a kid at heart, because I did have a point to make. So when I was 17, I was really intrigued by that assignment so much that I decided to pretend to play teacher. Um, and I had a TV in my room at the time. And I would record the TV commercials, and then I would say, okay, everybody, now we're going to listen to these commercials, and everybody rate them. And I'd play the teacher, I'd play the students. It was a lot of fun. I did all kinds of skits where I played each character, just because it was a lot of fun to do. I haven't done it in a while, because I, you know, just moved across the country. So uh, being a kid, kind of had to take a back seat. Um... But How many of those sorry, early tapes do you still you, have? Hot. <laughs> what was that? Bryn first, and then we I'll both go. both spoke at the same time, so I was like... Oh, I, I said we love you, Phoenix, but you're too hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I moved, being honest. Not not the only reason, but um, as I said, you know, we talked about me being openly lesbian. Um, I do have a girlfriend, and she uh, I moved in with her. Uh, she's also openly lesbian and trans and you know so but yeah that's um, awesome as far as the commercials yeah when you asked about the commercials yes i absolutely loved to record commercials and when yeah. you when you were in phoenix uh did you take part in any of the resources or services that were provided by the foundation for blind children yes i did yeah. Yes, I used to go there for preschool, and I did the SMART program as an adult. Yes, I nice. did. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a fun summer program. How many of those early tapes do you still have? Oh, yeah. I wish. There's a lot of recordings that I lost, unfortunately. I wish I still had some, um, because I would love to, like, I do have um, something I did when my... Actually, I think George might still have it. He's probably listening in on the meeting. And I think he's, I think I have it too, but um, uh, there was a skit slash thing I recorded um, when my grandparents, I was at my grandparents' house and they were playing cards and I think it was called, I think it was called Fun with Rachel. And I was doing the whole teacher thing with the commercials and 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 recording all that. I think I still have that. But as far as like my younger days, I, I am just thinking in my head what a fun Sunday edition that would be, Bryn. If you have some of your old recordings and we put, you know, enough notice for people to gather stuff, let's hear what you know what we. I because I have some of my early recordings too. What, let's hear how much how much fun it would be to hear what we all sounded like, you know, fifteen, twenty, twenty five years ago, thirty, forty years ago. For yeah, some I of wish us. I had recordings. I lost a lot of my recordings. The fun with Rachel, that was seven years ago. That's the, I think that's the oldest recording I've got, unless. Uh, 
shoot, well, I don't know. Well, in the interest of you know keeping it moving and keeping time enough for the audience to interact in a little while, um, let's talk just a little bit about Vision Cast and your responsibilities there and um, how Vision Cast has grown. Oh, Vision Cast is awesome. I joined the Vision Cast team in October of 2021. Um, believe it or not, I joined after a date. I went on a date with this guy. This was before I, you know, officially really came out as lesbian and kind of going back and forth, so to speak. Um, but I went on a date with this guy, and, and then I actually it was funny because they had at that time they had the hour podcast, which was technology, and then they had it was on Friday nights, and then they had the behind the mic a few hours later. Um, so I joined the technology portion. That was an hour before my date. Then I went out on my date, and then I uh, joined behind the mic, and we had a lot of fun. It was our first night, my first night on the Vision Cast team, and I remember saying, "Hey, everybody, I'm back from my date," and they were asking me how it was, and we had a lot of fun. We were talking about all kinds of different betas at the time, and Backpack Studio had come out with Backpack Studio Live, and there was a whole bunch of new stuff going on with that, but. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. And so now it's about three podcasts a week, um, and it's grown so much more from just behind the mic and technology. Well, it's the yeah, showcase, it's, and you have yeah, the after showcase, dark. Well, um, no, it's it, we do one podcast a week, but we alternate every week. Ah. So it's one week we have the showcase heaven live with Crazy Stacy twenty five and friends. That's our talent show portion, and then we have uh, the VC Lounge, which is our tech-slash-randomness portion, and we alternate. It's every Wednesday. We alternate every week. So this coming Wednesday is going to be Showcase Heaven Live. If you guys want to check that out, you can uh, write to community at acb.org and ask for my email, and i gladly hook you up. And my phone number as well. Hopefully Cindy should have it. And so your email and phone number are also in the show notes. I had to remove them from some of the public promos, depending on where I was posting it, but they are in the show notes. So talk to us, and Bryn, please jump in here and ask any technical questions. Talk to us about some of the production work that you have done as a volunteer and how you are transitioning to being a self-employed um, audio engineer, producer, etc. Talk to us about all that. All right, so um, I started, I have 15 years of experience in audio production. I, um, I taught myself how to edit audio in May of 2008 using NCH WavePad, which I still use to this day. Um, there's a lot of things that have changed, obviously, since 2008. A lot of, you know, you know, they had to keep up with the times and a lot of things have, you know, advanced and, and you know, evolved since then. Um, and I'm sure and you've was, played around yeah. with a bunch of other editors as well. Maybe Reaper, oh, yeah. maybe I, Audi, um, not Audio Hijack, the other one. I do have Audio Hijack. I use that all the time. But that's Audacity. Audio, that's recorded, Sorry. But, um, <laughs> I have played with Audacity. I've played with Reaper, but I've only used Reaper for MIDI. I haven't used Reaper for audio editing. Um, you know, it was really hard is when I, when I had to switch from my old, old, old copy of Adobe Audition 3. <laughs> I finally had to give it up and switch to something that was, you know, like more modern. And I didn't want to, you know, go to the Adobe Creative Cloud and pay a monthly subscription. And so 
I was like trying to figure out how to use Reaper and how to use Audacity and it was so hard to just give up that muscle memory with that one editor that you've been using for like 20 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. So ha have yeah. you found yourself struggling to leave NCH VoicePad to oh, go to something yeah. newer or more advanced, but it's like, this is, this is my home. This is the, this is the spider web that I have weaved for myself and I know every single strand of it and I don't want to leave my comfort editor. Yeah. I've felt that way before. I, now I have, um, I use a combination of WavePad and Fission from Rogue Amoeba. I use both. Um, I prefer Fission for like direct editing, like actually like editing out mistakes or whatever. And WavePad is more for like audio effects and stuff because um, Fission is a lossless editor. Um, it doesn't have any of the lossy uh, features like the uh, special effects or anything like that. Um, it's so lossless. Basically, is for those who don't know, it basically preserves audio quality. Like you don't lose as much, but it lossy. If it's a lossy format, uh, quality does get can get lost. Um, right, like if you save something yeah. as an MP3 and then open it again to make a change and then save it again, uh, you know, yeah. every time you copy degrades. and paste something, it can degrade the quality. It can degrade the quality. That's called lossy. Yeah. Lossless is, but Fission is a lossless editor. So like all the cool special effects and everything, it doesn't have because it's lossless. Those special effects and the mixing and all that, that's all lossy. So... I use WavePad to do lossy related tasks and I use Fission like to just strictly edit. Like if I'm editing a podcast or whatever, I will open it in Fission first and I will strictly edit the show. I can copy and paste like different sound effects, but if I want to do like voice effects, then I'll open it in WavePad later and jump to the section where I want to apply it and or mix something. So they both are my audio editing tools and i love them i i love them both so so outside of the um outside of the vision cast worlds what have been some of what have been some exciting audio projects you've worked on well i do have yeah um i started the voiceover stuff in 2012 before VisionCast became a big huge thing uh dj mac radio with jc aka dj mac um and JC was such a blessing to have because he had a radio station on Spreaker. I did not have any of this cool equipment that I have now. All I had was a crappy internal computer mic, but he still played my voiceovers. Even with all the background noise, he still played them. He was such a sweetheart. And it was just getting my experience and getting skills. I do have a promo sample of like, a whole bunch of promos I've put together, like from the past stuff that I've done. If you guys would like to hear it, um, can you break it up into like two minutes? Can you just play like two minutes of it? I could play a little bit of it, yeah. And then if anybody would like the full version, also because since uh, Zoom is mono and there's some parts of it that is stereo, so if anyone would like to hear the full version in stereo, just contact community at acb.org and ask for ask for me Stacy and they can forward the necessary 
your email will also be in the show yeah. notes, so they can grab that. And they can always also hit Sunday Edition AC at Gmail. I connect yep. any of our guests with any of our audience when asked. Bryn, um, while, while Stacy is pulling up an audio file to play for us, do you have any other questions? Oh, gosh. Um, all right. So when you're editing a podcast and uh, or you're doing you're 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 editing something that is long form like this, um, there's a lot of ums and uhs and you knows and stuff like that. Do you <laughs> have any tools that you use that you like to use that help to automate the removal of that stuff? Or do you find it easier to just do it manually because all don't of the, worry the assistant that. tools are hard to, they, they, they don't always do it right. Yeah. They don't do it right. I don't worry about that, honestly. Cause it's like, people say that stuff all the time. It's just like, I tried to edit all the ums out at one point. I'm just like, you know what? This is just too, this is just too much, you know? As long as they're getting their points across, I really could care less. And Unless, that's, yeah, somebody, that's definitely good for vision yeah. cast, but when somebody is hiring you, you're going to have you're If gonna somebody have to have is hiring approach. me and they want me to take that stuff out, then I will. But, I mean, for vision cast, I don't. Um, but, I mean, if somebody wants me to take all that stuff out, like for a podcast or whatever, I would do it for them if they asked me to. I just for vision cast it's like do we really have to do that yeah and it, it is sort of like a, a line right because yeah if you take too many of them out or you know if you work too hard to dislodge that one um from another word uh there's what i guess i like to call clean breaks in audio where uh yeah. it should be a it should be a natural tra trailing of audio from the word to the silence but instead you've chopped that um out of there so it's like yeah i really like walking the dog and i really love pizza yeah. <laughs> you know it's it like, depends on where the um is and everything and yeah. sometimes i'll take it out like if it's really I, obnoxious or if it's, if it's really, really obnoxious but if it's not too obnoxious then yeah but yeah, I mean, we so all say it leave so. those in yeah it, um yeah. So what what is your favorite series of like sound effects? Do you have like a favorite production library or a production uh you know catalog? I just have a whole bunch of sound effects of I don't really have a specific favorite. I have a whole bunch of different sound effects for different things. Like cuz I do audio dramas like for fun, it's a hobby. So I have all kinds of different sound effects for different purposes. And I do have the sample program. <laughs> I heard that Herbie. <laughs> no, that was me. <laughs> oh, that was you. Oh, that's yep. awesome. I do have the sample pulled up if you guys are ready. All right, let's do that. And so. in the meantime, Sheila and Chanel can see if there are anyone who wants to comment or question. Let's okay, I'll just play. You know, your microphone's gotten very quiet. Not sure if it got knocked down or or what, but it got very quiet. Who mine did? Or... No, Anthony. Did. No, I turned the level down. Um, we have uh, my partner's multitasking in the kitchen. I didn't want you to hear pots and pans clanging. Is this better? All right, yeah. Stacy, run your audio. Okay, here we go. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Don't miss out on a brand new variety station that has just come to Spreaker. Whether you listen live. Or as a podcast, at home or on the go, DJ Mac Radio's got you covered. So don't delay. Tune in today. DJ Mac Radio, where the listeners matter. 
wide variety of content on DJ Mac Radio. Be it day or night, music or talk, DJ Mac Radio's got you covered. Whether you're listening live or on demand, it does not matter. So what are you waiting for? Check out the wide variety of music and talk shows today. DJ Mac Radio, where the listeners matter. music isn't gonna fly here now play me something better yes boss no boring elevator music here no way our music makes you want to dance africa north america south america asia the philippines australia and the international space station and beyond all have access to the best EDM music ever to be created and played anywhere. And EDM Candy is the only station that plays it all. That's right, if it's EDM, then we play it. There's absolutely no need to listen to any other station. So tell all your co-workers, family, and friends to join you in the biggest dance party in the universe on the only station that plays it all. EDM Candy. This station makes you want to move, and we have the music to prove it. EDM Candy, the world's premier electronic dance station. All right. That's That's a little sample of it. If anybody wants to hear the full version, plus their stereo effects and everything else, yeah, just reach out. Feel free to reach out. Yeah, and if if you could actually email me that, that would be great. You'd like the full version? I okay. would because I could I can uh, pl- put the stereo version into the podcast. Awesome, okay. awesome, awesome! I can gladly do that. Yeah, it's a full version. It's much long. It's like I think it's like what, um, it's like a bunch of promos and jingles that I've put together. It's a whole big project because I wasn't sure how. Yeah. So we'll throw the those couple of promos, uh, the stereo version, and then we'll loop the whole version after the outro and, and uh, the show closing. All right, Sheila, do we have any hands? You have Herbie. All right, Herbie. Well, you know, first of all, I, you know, I, I apologize. I may have created a monster because Anthony now can do the tricks that I do. Maybe even easier because he has Farago, and I, I need to look into that. Oh, problem. I have that too. I love Farago. I have Farrago. that too. I love Farago. And depending on how you have things set up, you should you can definitely do stereo and zoom. Just make sure it's enabled in the um, audio settings under the preferences. Yeah, and, I'll look into uh, that because I think it is, but I, I'm not. Because you're sorry. whatever you did the other day, you did stereo then, so I don't know what you did. Okay, then I guess it's set up right. Okay, then it is set but up. But today right. it okay. was not, and today it was mono, so I don't know what you did differently between the other day and today. Um, but and I can spend. An, I, I, first of all, I just gotta say, you're a woman after my own heart. Uh, like you, growing up, I did a lot of uh, recording on these old-fashioned things called tape. Uh, you younger people out there may not know what that stuff is, but. Uh, Let's just say you're better off. Um, don't leave it in the sun. <laughs> no. Um, don't, you know, I've had tape recorders die on me because I probably overused them a little bit. I, I used to have my own radio slash TV station. I'd make my own commercials, though. Um, but uh, and look at where I'm at, at, where I'm at today. But uh, um, 
I was going to say, first of all, I use Amadeus Pro for my editing on the Mac. I've heard yes. of Fission. Um, don't really know how the two compare, but at some point, if you ever want to come to my Mac call and give us a demo on how you edit with Fission, and you could talk I'd about... I'd be glad to, and I'd love to learn how to use Amadeus. Well. Yeah, that would be all right, great. Well, we, can talk a, we can talk about Amadeus and Fission, and um, I am notorious for taking ums out of things as much as I can. There are times when you cannot because it's right next to it. But if somebody's like, hi, um, how are you today? Um, well, yeah, you, if you it's know, silence th like It's that, very easy to take those out, and I will take yeah, I will those too. out with a vengeance. I know it takes me longer. and But you know what? I figure, you know, I, I want people to... But if I'm editing, the idea is for them to be speaking clearly and not have... I was heavily influenced by my communications teacher back in college who talked about disfluencies. And these are filler yeah. words that people use. And um, like I just did, and um, that's another disfluency. And so, and um, and you know. So I yeah. I try, I, I actually go through and I painstakingly. And to answer your question, Bryn, no, there's no, I'm sure there are automated tools out there. I would not trust them. And in fact, ACB, one of the guidelines for editing their materials, you cannot use an automated tool like that. You actually have to do it manually for that reason. It has to sound natural. So yeah, I, I, I do everything I manually myself. I to say, um, too, I do my best. Now what I'm running into, and if I, I don't know if Fission would solve this problem or not, or maybe there's some plugin. Like, his, I, I'm trying to work on this audiobook for Amazon's ACX thing, and it has this thing where a computer hears all the levels and the dips and the rises and the drops, things that I just cannot hear with the human ear, and it will not accept it until it's, like, Mary Poppins style, like, practically perfect in every way. So, um... I've not figured out a way to work around that particular problem. So if anybody's ever done with anything like that, I'd really love to hear from you. Because um, it's a frustrating experience, and I think there's... I think there's some visual component to it where you can see, like, what it's, it's doing yeah. visually, but I, I don't know how to talk to those machines. and. That's a question you might want to throw out at a Writing Works Wonders. Um, during their, you know, during the open question periods, because some of the authors have done their own um, uh, audio uh, audio publishing to Amazon, so they might be able to help you out. Yeah, Possibly. I should definitely do that. Yeah, I did like when I edited Haley's recording for the. Uh, yes, I did edit her recording for her um, for the uh, "Don't Say Gay" episode coming up. Yeah, she did say "um" a couple times, and there were some silences, and I removed them for her. But All right, I want to ask Sheila um, if there are any more hands because we are basically at the three-minute mark. Yes, George. All right, George. Welcome back to Sunday Edition. Oh, you can unmute, you can unmute Doodles. I wonder if he stepped away from... All right, Sheila, any other hands? No, sir. All right, well then, Stacy, your email um, you can give. The phone number is in the show notes, so um, you can throw that email out, and you are doing volunteer production, and you are starting your business. Yep. So sell yourself real quick in two minutes. You, you want me to give the email out? I can actually Your email you can give, yes. Okay, so my email you can write is Stacy S-T-A-C-E-Y, at K, like kilogram, R-A-Z, 
like zebra, E-Y, Stacy again, spelled S-T-A-C-E-Y, 25.net. So that's Stacy at crazystacy25.net. Oh, yes, and if anybody wants to know about the Crazy Stacy 25 story, uh, <laughs> that was a fun story. I created that name back in 2012 because I was looking to create an email, and I originally wanted to do Crazy Stacy. But that was taken, so I was actually turning 25 at the time, so I added the number 25, and it stuck. So yeah, uh, it actually is Crazy Stacy 25 is the full stage name. But yeah, and I love doing work, and I'm willing to work with anyone's budget, so if anyone has anything they'd like me to work on. I'm also volunteering for the ACB, so the Pride Connection Committee, so if anybody has anything, reach out, feel free to reach out. All right, and tell them where to find VisionCast. And you can subscribe to the VisionCast mailing list if you wish, vision-cast, plus subscribe at groups.io, and be kept up to date with all the latest goings on. And, yeah. All right, well, I would like to wish every mother out there a happy Mother's Day, like I said at the top of the show. In whatever form you are a mother, you are wonderful, and you are loved, and celebrate today. Next week, you will have a different sort of show. It will be host The Sunday edition will be hosted by Lucy Edmonds. I believe Ren and Sheila will be here with her, but um, if not, there will be some competent people. I want to thank Bryn and Sheila. I want to thank Chanel and Herbie. And I want to thank Nat and Stacy for being here I was just an audience member. I I didn't actually do anything, so. (laughs) Everybody have a wonderful Mother's Day. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays. And you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday. <laughs>